all the devices in the world, like they're amazing. They help you think a little less about your diabetes. But I think another side of that is kind of the mental stigma because you're now wearing a device that is a physical representation of a disease that you try so hard to forget about. And I think that was the part that at first for me was super, super hard to try to accept. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, we're talking about learning to be more open about diabetes with other people. But what we are really talking about is the importance of accepting diabetes. It's only through acceptance that you can become more comfortable in your own skin and not make your life all about diabetes. The opposite of acceptance is avoidance, and avoiding diabetes never turns out well. My guest today is Bosma Adams. Bosma was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was three years old, and she's currently in school getting her master's degree in nursing. In this episode, Bosma tells us about her journey to being loud and proud with her diabetes devices. But what she's really talking about is her journey to accepting diabetes and how much easier her life has become once she came to a place of acceptance. I think we can all learn a lot and gain a lot of inspiration from Bosma's story. Here's my conversation with Bosma. Bosma, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked. I can't wait to get into this discussion. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your diabetes story. When were you diagnosed? How has life been for you since your diagnosis? Yeah. So I was diagnosed when I was three years old. So I've had diabetes for 20 years now. And my diagnosis was kind of uh, hectic. Uh, It runs in my dad's side of the family, but down a couple generations. So nobody was expecting it to pop up all of a sudden. And I was definitely showing all the symptoms, extreme thirst, uh, wanting to go to the bathroom, no energy. And I lost a lot of weight for a three-year-old. So my mom was very concerned. And in the beginning, doctors, you know, tried to make it be like, oh no, it's just a, it's just a growing curve. You know, it's fine. Kids, kids sometimes can do this. And she's like, no, this is not normal. So I actually ended up fainting the day that they wanted to take me in to see the doctor again. And so I was in a coma for about 36 hours and I made it through. It was all good. But life since then has definitely been hectic. I think just growing up with the disease and it being so young, it's really all I ever know. 
It's all I'm ever going to remember. So their life for me hasn't been any different than living with diabetes. But in the same sense, it's also given me a lot of space to kind of find myself within that because I've really had to come to terms with diabetes. And in the beginning, it was not easy, but I've definitely made a lot of strides. And I think personally, I'm so proud of the person I am today because I had to go through some really tough areas where I had to sit myself down and really realize, hey, diabetes isn't the end of the world and you're going to make it through. So you're going to be okay. Diabetes really inspired me to do a lot of things. It's why I'm in nursing now. I'm getting my master's in nursing and I hope to one day be a high risk nurse practitioner um, in the OBGYN field. So it's it's really shaped a lot of who I am and I'm really proud of that. But um, every day I just, I keep on making lemons out of uh, diabetes. So interesting you talk about being diagnosed as a toddler because I was diagnosed when I was 21. So I very much remember life without diabetes. And I think yeah. that, that transition for people diagnosed later in life right. is very different than being diagnosed when you're younger because you don't know anything different. And not that either one of them is easier or harder, but the experience is really just different. And it really shapes how you think about diabetes and how you deal with the challenges that, that come about with it. So different. I think it's like you said, n- neither one is better. Neither one is ideal, but it definitely, I think, just gives you a different story and a different background. And that's why I love hearing everybody's stories about, you know, whether they were diagnosed earlier or later, it really shapes that person. And I almost feel like, you know, being able to think back on life before diabetes, like I personally don't know how I would, I would deal with that because there are memories and moments that you probably flash back to and you're like, ugh remember when I didn't have have to do this. So I give kudos to everybody who was diagnosed later because they can still remember those things. And I mean, all the power to them, honestly. So we want to talk about technology today and your journey with technology and the challenges that you've had using technology and what that means about you. So as a three-year-old, how did you manage diabetes and what's been your journey in your management tools up until now? I was very thankful. My parents took on the whole brunt of it. You know, as a three-year-old, there's not much you can do. I just remember, I do remember some moments. I mean, that, that part of my life, like three to five is a little bit of a blur because it was, you know, I was introduced to diabetes and it was just a lot of learning and there wasn't much to like sit down and just reflect on. So I remember my parents, you know, drawing up my insulin, giving me shots, trying to educate a three-year-old on like, this is why you can't really eat this right now because we haven't given you insulin for it. But I do remember the tantrums. Um, I, you know, I didn't like shots at all in the beginning. And I would keep saying like, but why do I have to have a shot? And I think even then my brain was not wrapping itself around the fact that like, now I have to do this even though little me knew like a month ago, I wasn't doing this. So why now it started off as injections. And then as I got older, you know, my endocrinologist, he he's amazing. He told me about a diabetes camp. He told my parents about diabetes camp. And so they sent me off um, to a day camp when I was five and it was life-changing. Like I can't say enough about that experience because I literally thought I was the only person with diabetes at that age in my life. So I got to see older kids and kids my age and people that I ended up looking up to that were living these amazing, fun, exciting, healthy lives with diabetes. And that started to change my outlook on this diagnosis that I at first thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And it was from there that I started, you know, getting more curious about devices. So I've been on two pumps throughout my diabetes journey, and I've been on a continuous glucose monitor system. And that's what I'm on right now. And I think that 
all the devices in the world, like they're amazing. They help you think a little less about your diabetes. But I think another side of that is kind of the mental stigma because you're now wearing a device that is a physical representation of a disease that you try so hard to forget about. And I think that was the part that at first for me was super, super hard to try to accept. Let's talk more about that. When did this idea first come into your mind that I'm wearing this physical device that's a representation of this disease that I really don't want to have and I'd really prefer other people not know that I have? Yeah. So fun fact, I didn't tell any friends or any classmates that I had diabetes until I was 16. Just teachers that knew. Yeah, it was just teachers. It was my parents. It was the people that literally had to know. For me, I realize now looking back that it was all because I didn't want people to see me in a different light. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want diabetes and Bosma to be known as one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I didn't realize that diabetes and Bosma being one thing didn't have to be a negative thing. It could be a positive thing. So as soon as I got into middle school, we started having to do swim PE. I was on a pump at that time. And I was like, I don't want anyone to know, like nobody knows, you know, it's kind of, it's going to be like the end of the world. If people understand that I'm wearing this thing and then they're going to start asking questions and I don't want to have to answer the questions. And it was this back and forth. So I remember like wearing those long tankinis that like would cover my pump site and, you know, not like jumping into the water just in case my pump site flew off and all these excuses. People would be like, oh, that's a bulge. Like, what's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's just a belt. It's just a belt that I'm wearing. And all these funny excuses that now looking back, I realized I hadn't yet started my journey of truly looking within myself and figuring out why diabetes annoyed me personally because it was a personal thing, right? We all start to, to almost, we, all, we almost seem to look outside of ourselves for reasons why we don't like diabetes when really most of the times it's within ourselves, right? So I started at the beginning of high school kind of trying to figure out why is it that diabetes and devices are so hard for you to want to show off? And I realized it was because of all the stigma that I had been met with when I was younger, right? There's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to diabetes, whether is it the good type that you have or the bad type? Did you eat a lot of sugar growing up? All of these things. And I realized that if people kind of put one and one together, then I would become part of that stigma. And the way I thought of it, because I had volunteered a lot and and done things where I realized advocacy was something that I was super passionate about, I realized if I could be part of the change, then I'd be proud of accepting it myself because I would be trying to change those stigmas, not only for myself, but for the rest of the world. And I think that's when it started coming together was I was able to put my love for advocacy into my own daily life. And I started being my own advocate. So when people would say things that weren't true or weren't nice, when I did start finally sharing, I would just kindly, you know, educate them. And before I wasn't doing that because I was afraid of educating others because I would think nobody wanted to listen. But I just realized that if nobody wants to listen, that's when you really have to push the gas and advocate even more. So it was kind of this like 360 of everything coming together into my life. And, and I actually started to take the time to notice my body, appreciate it for all it could still do. Because I know we people living with diabetes like to say like our pancreas doesn't work, but it our body does so much for us. You know, even if we can't really produce insulin. 
our body is still telling us when we feel high and it's still telling us when we feel low and it's giving us all these warning signs and that's still a big gift. So it was a long story, but as you can tell, it was a lot of things that kind of started to make their way into my life and it all started making sense. I want to dig a little deeper into the time before you were 16, when you were hiding your devices. Yeah. Tell me about the work that was involved in doing that. Oh, it's funny that you say that because hiding my devices took more time and work and effort than it did when I was loud and proud about them. And I would really go out of my way to check my blood sugars in the bathroom and, you know, give injections under the table and make excuses that, oh, I'm just not feeling good. So I could like dip out, you know, if I was feeling low or high or just not up for it. And I realized that all of those feelings of fear that I felt was because I wasn't sure how other people would take it. And, and I realized that that's something that a lot of us fear, right? Or like, well, how are my relationships going to change? How are my friendships going to change? How are people going to look at me differently? And you really don't know unless you tell that person, right? You kind of just got to go out on a limb there and start to educate the people that care and love for you. And you'll come to find out that they're really supportive and they want to help you. And at the end of the day, they're going to learn so much that you probably wouldn't have they wouldn't have known had you not told them. But yeah, it it took a lot more effort for me to hide it. And it's something that looking back, I wish I didn't do because middle school boss was so self-conscious about diabetes that it was all that took up my mind space. And I would go to the nurse's office, you know, if I needed to take care of anything. And then I would make up some absurd excuse about how I had to stay late and ask a teacher a question. And it's funny now that I look back at it, but yeah, it took a lot of effort. And the sad thing is, and the ironic thing here is that your whole goal was for diabetes not to get in your way, basically to be able to cruise by without having to worry about diabetes. Mm -hmm. But the exact opposite happened. You were spending so much much time thinking about it, so much time navigating it that took up all of your headspace. Yes. Yes. And you know what? Now that you say that, I feel like we don't realize that, you know, we try to push it back to the, to the back of our head and we try to push it to the side of our life thinking that in the end, we're going to accomplish something, which is what we want, right? We want it to be something that we don't have to interfere with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all you're doing is spending so much brain power on it. You're constantly thinking about it and you're constantly saying, how can I hide this from people? And it's so funny. Yeah. It took up a lot of space and a lot of time. And I'm glad that I finally moved towards that time in my life where I could finally be like, you know what? It, enough is enough. I'm like so tired of hiding it. Let's be proud and let's be loud about it. I mean, we're talking about devices here, but devices are really just a symbol here about diabetes yeah. for you in general. Nothing to do with the device on your body. It's what it, having diabetes mean about me and how is this symbol representing that? Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I, I know now looking back that it was just this physical representation of something I was trying so hard to forget. That was the only issue with it. It wasn't the actual device itself. And once I learned to almost destigmatize my own mind against the, the appearance of the device, I started to feel more comfortable wearing it out. And, and it's baby steps. I think that's what people don't realize. It's not overnight, you know, epiphany that I'm like, I'm so proud of my devices. Let's go. You know, it's, it's baby steps. So it was moving it from, you know, my backside to my stomach and then then moving it down up to my arms and then actually wearing a short sleeve that like peeked out a little bit and then a tank top where you could see the whole device. It's little things that 
you, your heart is going to tell you when that step feels comfortable and you can move on. It's not like this calendar of, okay, this week you wear it here and then next week you wear it there and you're all set to go, right? When it feels right, it's going to feel right. And if it doesn't, take the time that you need. I think the one thing that I'm very, very thankful for is that although my journey to self-acceptance of devices and diabetes and everything has been so long, right? My first 13 years, I didn't tell anybody. It still has allowed me to feel so comfortable now because I was able to take all that time that I needed and really figure out what the best course of action for me was. What prompted you to make this transformation? Do you remember a day or a time when you said, you know what, this isn't worth the headspace that I'm giving it? I do actually, I do remember. It was me realizing that I wanted to be more of an advocate. And so I applied for the ADA's National Youth Advocate and up to applying to that, I was like, how can I be an advocate if I'm so self-conscious about my own diabetes, you know, like my own devices, I've got to be loud and proud because I'm going to be a spokesperson. You know, if I, if I end up getting this, I'm going to be a spokesperson for the whole diabetes community. And I want to do that proudly. And I I want to do that authentically. And I'd already been making the steps to it. So it wasn't like an overnight thing. I'd already been making those little steps, but I realized that was like the last push that I needed that I kind of came out of that being like, okay, that's it. Enough is enough. You've been hiding this for way too long. If there are people that no longer see you in the same light, that's their bad, right? You're still Bosma. You just have a little plastic thing on your arm. That doesn't change who you actually are and your heart and your passions. It's literally just a physical representation. So let's start to veer off into the direction of seeing this as a really amazing thing. And then it's almost like putting that energy out and really having that resonate in my heart. I was then able to see changes. So when I would go out, people would stop me and be like, oh my God, I have diabetes too. And then you'd meet a diabetic in the wild. And things like that got me more excited to show off my devices. That was the moment, that moment of, I want to be an advocate. I've got to be proud of it. And then it was everything that came after that, that really just was like, okay, that's it. We just got to be proud with this. I'm hearing you say, I was living a double life and I realized I didn't have a double life anymore. It was, it was not authentic for me because deep, deep down, I knew I didn't want to. And then it was also like, I could be using this for so much good. I can be educating others. I can be advocating for my own community and I want to do good with this. That's why I always knew I wanted to go into the healthcare field was because I wanted to support people and encourage people. And I knew coming from my own story of like how long it took me to do that. I had personal experience on how to tell people it's okay that you don't feel a hundred percent amazing about your diabetes, but don't give up because that day will come and you'll be so thankful for that journey that you went through. You talk about how wearing your devices loud and proud, it got more connected to the community. People saw you in the wild and they said, Hey, I have diabetes too. What about with your friends that didn't know about diabetes? How was that coming out process for you? Oh my gosh. It was so funny. I, I get reminded by Facebook every time because Uh, When I did finally get that National Youth Advocate um, position, I was so excited. And I was like, this is, you know, like, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. I get to really dive into helping others. I made this huge, long post on Facebook. 
And a lot of the people that hadn't, you know, started to put two and two together because I was starting to be more open about the process. I just got so many comments by really close friends that were like, I had no idea. Like, how did I not know this? And how did you not tell me? And so I started having conversations with friends and explaining things. And it's funny to, to go back and, and look at even my friends' journeys of how much they now know about diabetes. And it's funny because they'll text me if, you know, there's some kind of stereotype on TV and they'll be like, but I knew that this was wrong and this is what is actually happening. And I get so excited because I think not only are they supporting me in so many ways just by wanting to listen, but then they're able to kind of pass that along, right? You never know who they may come in contact with or someone that they know may one one day be diagnosed and they're going to be able to then help that person. And it's kind of just a snowball effect. And I was talking to one of my really close friends from college that I met. And at that point, you know, I was loud and proud about it. So this is all she really remembers is that I've always been, you know, super proud of my devices. But um, after graduation, she was talking to me and she was like, you know, I just really want to thank you. And I was like, thank me for what? And she was like, just for all the education, because I know I definitely would not know anything about diabetes if it wasn't for you. And I know you, and she's saying this to me, she's like, I know you always joke about how you can't stop talking about diabetes, but it's really taught me a lot. And it's, and it's really given me a great background on how I can not only support you, but support other people as well. And it just, it made me all fuzzy and warm inside. Cause I was like, wow, like it really does make a difference by putting yourself out there and sharing with your friends and your family, because I bet you they're going to take so much more out of it than you may initially realize. One thing that I hear a lot is people just terrified that if they wear a device publicly or people know they have diabetes or they do something diabetes related in front of their friends or their coworkers, that they're going to get a reaction that is not positive. Right. Has that, has that happened to you? Yeah, I'd be lying if I if I said that that hasn't happened, right? I think we've all had that happen. I'm a big believer in you can't control people, you can't control their actions, but you can control how you respond to their actions and how you respond to what happens in your life. And I think it's all about how you respond in that situation. So yes, I have had people who, you know, I say I have type 1 diabetes and I explain it a little bit. I never just go into it just like, Hey, I have type one diabetes and then crickets. I always like to give a little background because you also have to realize that these people might know nothing about diabetes. And they're literally going to think that you just said some Harry Potter spell. Right. So I always like to lead into it, but I haven't always gotten the best response. Sometimes I get those stereotypical, did you eat too much sugar when you were a kid? Sometimes they just go, Oh, Oh, that sounds horrible. And what I've learned is always the best is kind of kill them with kindness and just be like, Hey, I understand that you may not know much about it, but actually blah, 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 blah. Like I didn't get it because I was eating too much sugar. It's also, it's actually an autoimmune disease and this and this and that. Or if they're just very outright rude about it, I'm like, you know, I am able to take that. I have tough skin, but if you were to come into contact with someone else who was just diagnosed, I'd hope that you'd show them more respect by wanting to learn about what they go through. And it's kind of like dialogues like this, because a lot of the times that dialogue is going to be expanded and they're going to want to have a conversation with you. But in the off chance that they don't, that's their loss. And I've kind of come to terms with, you can't educate everyone. As hard as I've tried, and I've tried, there are some people that just don't want to learn. And 
knowing that you've done all that you can to try to educate people and try to have them understand something more to the actual truth that it is, you've done what you could do, right? You've been a true advocate. There are going to be people that don't give the best responses, but again, it's up to you to kind of shape how that discussion is going to go. And when you're wearing a device, what I have found is that people don't even notice it. Not at all. You're the only one who's noticing it. I absolutely 100% agree with you because when I was first going into my journey of like wearing it more publicly, and for me, that's all my arms. Like nowadays, I love wearing my devices on my arms or like my calf, um, which is a fun spot. But I've noticed that in the beginning, I was so like, I would like leave the house and I'd be like looking around, right? If anybody's staring at me, like 90% of people aren't staring. They literally don't even know that you have something on you. They think it's like some kind of new gadget that all the cool kids are wearing, right? Like nobody knows. So yeah, a lot of the times it's in our own heads. I remember last year I was on vacation in Mexico. I was at the pool. I saw a young lady who was wearing an Omnipod and I saw another guy who's wearing a Dexcom. Oh and my God, I, that's so cool. I'm sure I was the only one at the pool who noticed them because I knew what I was looking for. And, yeah. and they were going about doing their thing, enjoying their vacation. No one was sitting there pointing at them. No one was no. mocking them. No one even thought twice about it. And the only reason I thought about it is because I wanted to go up and talk to them and say hi. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's so true. Like most of the time, I'm going to say 80% of the time, the people that come up to me are people with diabetes and, you know, parents or Mm -hmm. significant others that want to learn more about it and go tell, you know, their family members about it. But yeah, it's so funny how we always think that everybody is staring. I think that's such a great lesson and knowing that if you wear a device and be open about your device, it's not only going to help clear your headspace. But it's also going to invite others into your life who may benefit from knowing you and knowing your experience. Just like we're benefiting from hearing about your story, they can benefit from hearing about other people's stories. I've had a few T1Ds in the wild, as I like to call them, Mm -hmm. who have come up to me and don't wear devices. And, you know, we've spent 30 minutes talking and then we connect on social media. And then a couple months later, I'll get a message and be like, hey, we met at, you know, Costco or Ralph's. And I just want to let you know that I finally got my own Dexcom and I'm so excited about it or, you know, uh, a pump or whatnot. And it's so exciting to me because that just shows that at the end of the day, if all I can do is reach one person who, you know, I either tell them about something they didn't know could help their own diabetes management, or I encourage them to wear their devices my job is done. I've I've made an impact in the world. And that's all I can hope for at the end of the day. We don't often think about wearing our devices for the benefit of other people and wearing them loud and proud for the benefit of other people. We generally think about it all about ourselves and what we need to hide or what we're being open with, but you, you forget the benefit that it can have in the community. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I was at the pharmacy the other day and there was an old gentleman behind me and I was wearing my Dexcom on the back of my arm. So I, I wasn't really noticing that he was looking at my Dexcom, but I was picking up my insulin. And I was leaving. He's like, young lady, I just want to say, I really like that placement. I've never thought of putting my own Dexcom there. And then he started asking me about like how long I've had diabetes. And he had his own amazing story about diabetes. And I felt like I was learning from him, like about how long he's had and everything he's gone through it. And I love connecting, especially with the older generation, because I realized that we are lucky that we're growing up in this world with social media and we can connect to other people and meet people, even if we don't live in the same area, but they really had to kind of do it 
without all of this help and a lot of times without all of the technology and they've been able to live such beautiful, healthy, long lives and have children and grandchildren and everything. And it always inspires me that no matter what, we will get through this together as a community and we will do better every single day. So that's like one of my favorite stories. Awesome. Last question is one that I ask everyone on this podcast is what is the best piece of advice you've got about how to best deal with the emotional challenges of living with type one? So my mom, she has always taught me that everybody has something. We may be able to see it. Most of the times we're not going to be able to see it. And at the end of the day, you're working with a body that isn't exactly at 100% anymore. But every single day you're showing up, every single day you're trying your best, every single day you're making decisions to be your best self and be your healthiest self. So that's all you can do. And so she's always taught me to try hard and that every day is a new day. And at the end of the day, diabetes is one of my biggest strengths. And I think a lot of us don't think that way. You know, we think, oh, it's like one of my weaknesses. You know, I have diabetes but it's actually one of your biggest strengths. And I bet if you take the time to think about it, it propels you to do a lot in your life and to go after a lot in your life. And it may have shaped certain decisions that you've made that maybe have nothing to do with diabetes. So I, I hundred percent believe as she's always told me, and she's told me since I was a kid, diabetes is your biggest strength. Don't ever let it influence something that you can't, you think you can't do because you can do anything you put your mind to it. And so that's something I've, I've carried with me. And as I've gotten older, it's actually become more relevant because I've had to be places in my life where there are really difficult decisions or, you know, I'm really thinking about my future. But I think about how I've really been able to grow as a person living with diabetes. So there's nothing else that is going to be any harder than that, right? Than being your own pharmacist, your own doctor, your own nurse 24-7 a day. If you can do that, you can do anything. On that note, thank you so much for that inspiration. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. And um, I hope I was able to give a tidbit for someone else struggling out there. Wow. There was so much great stuff packed into this conversation with Bosma. I know that so many of my listeners will be able to relate to Bosma's story in so many ways. And there's a lot we can all learn from it. Let's break it down a bit. The reason I wanted to have Bosma on my podcast in the first place was to talk about how she's come to be loud and proud with her diabetes devices. I saw her post on Instagram about how she used to be embarrassed and ashamed by her devices, but how that's all changed. The biggest thing I took away from Bosma is that this conversation has to do with so much more than just wearing a CGM or an insulin pump. When people who don't have type 1 diabetes talk about diabetes devices, they can't imagine why someone with type 1 would not want to use one. I see this way of thinking a lot with parents and spouses, and especially with doctors and other healthcare professionals. When someone pushes back against using diabetes technology, it almost never has anything to do with the technology itself. Diabetes technology is awesome and does some pretty amazing things. And most people with type 1 diabetes know this and appreciate it. But when we focus only on the technology, we're missing a big part of the picture. Type 1 diabetes is something that many people want to forget about. And some people do a pretty good job at ignoring it. Even though diabetes devices make managing type 1 diabetes so much easier, they have one major downside. These devices are a physical representation of an invisible disease. Wearing a device means accepting you have diabetes in a very real way. 
because you're reminded of it on your body every single day. Wearing a device makes it a whole lot harder to hide diabetes from other people. Why would you want to hide diabetes from other people? What's so bad about making this invisible condition visible? It's no big deal, right? But if you live with type 1, you know that it is a big deal. Bosma touched on a couple of the reasons why it's a big deal for her, and I'm sure these are reasons you can all relate to. First of all, she didn't want to be seen as being different. We all want to fit in, especially when we're in high school, but really any time. And type 1 diabetes has a way of making you feel different. You have to do things others don't have to do and worry about things other people don't have to worry about. You may worry that people will look at you differently and think that you're weak or broken or just different. That fear and worry is enough to make anyone want to hide their diabetes devices and their diabetes from other people. But Bosma brought up an interesting point. For her, and I'm sure many of you can relate, wanting to hide her diabetes devices went far beyond just not wanting to be different. She felt that if she was open about her diabetes, then somehow it would start to define her. And I think the possibility that diabetes might define you and define who you are is even scarier than a worry that you're going to be different from other people. She didn't want to be seen at school as Bosma the diabetic. And she didn't want diabetes to be the first thing that someone thinks about when they think about Bosma. She wanted to be Bosma, the caring, smart young woman. She may have to carry type 1 with her, but she wanted to be seen as much more than her diabetes. And she felt that if she's open about her diabetes and wore her devices prominently, not only would people see her as her diabetes, but worse, she would see herself as her diabetes as well. And that's the last way she wanted to see herself. So to show up in the way that she wanted to be seen by herself and others, she ignored diabetes. She didn't talk about it. She didn't acknowledge she had diabetes. And she went to some pretty great lengths to hide her insulin pump and her CGM and her diabetes from the world. At the time, she thought that was the only option that she had. But looking back on it, she realized it didn't work out so well. She realized she was living a double life. There was the Bosma with type 1 diabetes, the person she was at home, in the nurse's office, and in her head. And then there was Bosma without type 1, the girl everyone saw at school, the girl who hid diabetes, and her challenges from everyone. Like with any double life, Bosma seems like it was a pretty lonely place to be. She was trapped between wanting to manage her blood sugars and feel good, and feeling like she had to hide it all from the world. It was complicated and confusing. And instead of having the results she was looking for, to see herself as more than her diabetes, her entire life became about how to hide her diabetes from other people. The problem is, hiding type 1 takes a lot of work and even more headspace. As you heard in our conversation, Basma's plan backfired. The thing that she was hoping would make her feel more normal just made her feel more different and separated her even more from the people that she wanted to fit in with. This is such a common experience for people with type 1 diabetes. I see it all the time in my work. And I'm sure that many of you have felt the same way at some point in your life with type 1. I think we've all gotten ourselves into the situation at some point. We don't want to feel like our life is all about type 1 diabetes. The type 1 defines us. So we work really hard to avoid it. The only problem is, by avoiding type 1, you just make it define you even more. 
avoiding it takes so much headspace because you're constantly thinking about how you can avoid it. And so diabetes is always on your mind. You don't want to be known to other people as that person with diabetes. And that's also not how you want to think about yourself. But by hiding diabetes, you become someone that you're not. The thing that struck me most about Bosma's story was her journey to acceptance and the transformation she made to get there. Let's take a minute and talk about acceptance, though. When people ask me how they can make diabetes less emotionally draining for themselves, the first thing I always tell them is that they have to come to a place of acceptance with type 1. They have to recognize that type 1 diabetes isn't going away, and there's nothing they can do to make it go away. They can choose to live well with diabetes, or they can choose to continue avoiding it and fighting with it. But with this strategy, there's really no hope of winning. Most of our emotional challenges with type 1 come about because we have a hard time coming to a place of acceptance. This is more than accepting you have a medical device on your body. That's the easy thing to talk about. It's about accepting that you are living with type 1 diabetes. You don't have to like diabetes, but life is going to get a whole lot easier if you stop avoiding it. Acceptance is a journey, and this journey starts with your mindset and ends with your behavior. Everyone has a unique journey to acceptance with type 1, but I think Bosma's story is a great representation of what it can look like. If you're having trouble accepting type 1, pay close attention here as I talk about Bosma's path. I think there's a lot you can take away from her story. First, she was able to recognize that she's so much more than her diabetes. And when people find out she had diabetes, they saw her as more than diabetes too. Recognizing this and reminding yourself of this is helpful, especially when you're having a rough diabetes day. Because it's those times when it's really hard to see outside yourself. For Bosma, this was taking baby steps around where she wore her devices. First on her stomach, then on her arms, and then wearing a tank top. But whatever you do, you want to use it as an experiment. Really find out if what you were worried would happen actually came true. I think Bosma summed it up really well when she said this about her experiment of being more adventurous with her device placement. She said, you're still Bosma. You just have a little plastic thing on your arm. Once you come to a place of acceptance through your mindset and your behavior, you'll hopefully be in a better spot. But Bosma took her acceptance to the next level, empowerment. And she's found some really amazing ways to find the good in having diabetes and finding ways that she can help others through her experience with type 1. Through her journey, Bosma has gone from a place of avoidance and hiding diabetes to making diabetes her superpower. Before you go, can I ask you a quick favor? If this podcast has been helpful for you, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and post a review on iTunes. That helps me get the word out about this podcast so as many people as possible with type 1 diabetes can benefit from it. I always love hearing from my listeners. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. You can also find me on the web at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. Bye until then. Thanks so much for listening. 
For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thank you.